I'm Rob Dietz. I'm Jason Bradford. And I'm Ashar Miller. Welcome to Crazy Town, where Marjorie Taylor Greene is the voice of reason. Hey guys, we're doing it, aren't we? This is season five. Is that is that is that a big is that a big season? Is like what is even the anniversaries? Like uh, right. when you're married, is it yeah. ten? Do they is five a big I, deal? I have no idea. It feels like a big cubic deal. zirconium. Yeah. Okay. We get a, we all get a cubic zirconium <laughs> at the end of the season if we make it through. If if we make it through. Yes. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well. So I, I'm pretty excited about this season, and I'm also excited to talk about as 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 a way of, of introducing this season as episode, a wonderful experience that, that myself, my family had at Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. Oh, yeah. Over in uh, southeastern Oregon there. Oregon is amazing. The central Oregon, the southeast, the dry part of the state, geological wonders abound. You know, it's not as vegetated, so you oh, can like, see uh, rocks. Oh, like cubic zirconium cliffs and <laughs> Yeah, stuff. there's like mountains of the stuff. <laughs> it's funny because when people think of Oregon, they think of, I remember that joke but from yeah. Jim Gaffigan, like people in, in Oregon and the Pacific Northwest are dressed like right. a hike is about to break out. Yeah, like yeah. They imagine rain and right. know, people like huddled and, yeah. you know, drinking coffee or whatever, right. or smoking clove cigarettes. Yeah. But Eastern <laughs> Oregon is not no, like that. It's this high desert. It's 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 the northern end of the Basin and Range area, part of the of, of North America. And uh, so they've got this, you've got basically these, these big escarpments, these mountains and and then and then almost cliff like faces to them. And but in between these mountain ranges there are all these 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 basically you know, lake systems and rivers feeding into them that never make it to the ocean. So a lot of them are alkaline and and there's just weird biodiversity everywhere. But the place I want to talk about is a national wildlife refuge that is famous in the birding community. So I wasn't really into... Birding or burning? Birding. Birding. Yeah, birding. little tweeter tweets and stuff like that. Yeah. Cackle, cackle, whatever. Yeah. I'm not really good. I'm not a real experienced birder yet, so I don't do the sounds. I listened for the sounds. But this is where I got into it, where I suddenly like, you know, b- brought binoculars. We were there during the May, you know, migration pattern, important places. And you realize what's happened is that a lot of these national wildlife refuges are are like remnant wetlands that have now been augmented because they've, you know, a lot of wetlands been lost. And so they try to make the wetlands that remain extra productive and well, special. You know, you're talking my language now. Yeah. I used to work for the Fish and Wildlife yeah. Service in the National Wildlife Refuge System. So yeah, all the biologists at the refuges, they're trying to mimic historical conditions. Yeah. And, you know, they're often pumping water here and there yeah. to, to, to supply it. the mm-hmm. migratory birds with the, the ponds and wetlands that they need. So you're driving through this place and there's incredible like vistas of mountains and rock formations. And then these these you know flat areas that have various levels of water and different birds are attracted to different levels of water and and it's crazy cuz all these all these birds are moving through and they're in just giant numbers and they're super colorful and and so i was just absolutely thrilled by the place and it was it was interesting because it was so peaceful there and wonderful and everyone was having a good time but then i also knew that a few years before 
it was kind of a shit show. Yeah, yeah. If we're going to talk about Malheur National Wildlife Refuge, I mean, it's nice that you had this experience, and I can attest, you become a super birder nerder. Is yes. that a word? Like, yes, I admit. Uh, just unbelievable. I um, don't have the highest end binocular set yet. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, you don't have the spotting scope or mm-hmm. what? You haven't spent thousands yeah. of dollars, but yeah. you, you'll get there. Thank you'll you. get there. Yeah. Well, but if we're going to talk about that particular refuge, you got to go back to January second, two thousand sixteen. I, I was there. It was amazing, <laughs> an incredible experience. One of the highlights of my life. Really. So, so uh, we didn't know this, but I share uh, your your middle name is actually Bundy, isn't it? It's it's Eamon Bundy Jr. <laughs> so. So uh, back then, at the beginning of 2016, of course, uh, you may be familiar that uh, this group of right-wing nut jobs with lots of guns showed up at the refuge. They were and- freedom-loving uh, patriots. <laughs> right, Excuse me. <laughs> right. Right. You know, tomato, tomato. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's agree to disagree. <laughs> right. So they held uh, this refuge hostage, I guess. Can you hold a refuge hostage? That's what they did. They did this for over a month. It was February 11th when police finally arrested them. And, and their leader, as you said, was this guy, Amon Ammon, Ammon, Ammon Bundy. Ammon Bundy. Uh, and, uh, he had experience with this sort of thing. His dad had a ranch in Nevada and they had a big standoff there against the BLM over grazing fees. Uh, you know, essentially they took over this refuge because they wanted the federal government to give the land back to the states and and really to the people so they could do whatever the hell they wanted Uh, on it with their cows. It wasn't people, not the, not the historic you know, indigenous <laughs> no. people. No, no, right? okay. no, silly. Just to be c- c- well, clear. Well, the, his- the history of the place is it was a big, like, cattle ranch back right. in the day, you right. know, so. Yeah, yeah but uh, before that, there might yes, have been some. some other things going yeah, some, on. Yeah, some other stuff <laughs> yeah. going okay, on there. Can we have a little aside here? What, what's with the name Bundy? I mean, right. if your name Bundy, does that automatically make you some kind it's of. Kind of uh, scary. Yeah, scary criminal type, or, or at the very least, Al Bundy I think about for Married Al Bundy, with Children. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I worry about he that. He was a great philosopher. So, like if you want your kid to grow up to be a serial killer, just name them Bundy, right? <laughs> Sorry to all of our Bundy <laughs> listeners out we there. We just, half of our listenership just dropped off. <laughs> um, well, so one of the things about Ammon Bundy is that the philosophy went way beyond this kind of dispute over over who has rights to the land. There's this entire undercurrent in that family of wackadoodle religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to bore everybody with my take on it because somebody's already done a really outstanding job of kind of going through this. And that's uh, Leah Sotil. She has this long read article and a podcast called Bundyville, The Remnant, which highly recommend. So check those out. But this guy, they're coming from a pretty weird kind of a philosophical, religious angle and, uh, you know, kind of like a prophet off the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually in that, in that podcast, she traces back the origins of, of not only that whole sort of like war with the federal government thing. But the religious undertones that does go back to sort of these prophets that were part of this cult or sect of of Christianity. (laughs) And, you know, 
we could talk about Clive and Bundy and the Bundy clan or whatever. Great name, by the way, Clive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and it's easy to sort of like uh, make fun of them or, or think about them as sort of like these very extreme fringe voices out there in the, in the wilderness, so to speak. But the truth is that at least in, I suspect that as we get deeper and deeper into like environmental unraveling and social unraveling, mm-hmm. as all the issues that we Financial. at Post Carbon Institute, yeah, talk yep. about, you know, with energy issues and the economy and and sociopolitical problems and and all that stuff coming together, we're gonna probably see more people like the Bundys, you know, because I think the real story of of what happened there at the refuge was all of these people coming in from across the country, yes. you know, that were drawn to this cause, yeah. right? It wasn't just the birds anymore. It wasn't right. just the birds. Well, and they, it wasn't just the Bundy clan, right? Well, the aftermath is pretty crazy, too. I mean, they were prosecuted, but then they, they served no jail time. Uh, they are basically let off. Yeah. So I just, you know, I think that we're going to be seeing more of these. And it's, and it's not just people on this quasi-white nationalist religious end, you know, that we'll see as false prophets, we're going to see all kinds of, of different folks coming out. And that's why we wanted to talk about false prophets in this season, season five of Crazy Town. I think the false prophets, it's pretty easy to pull an Ammon Bundy out and say, look at this guy. But there are a lot of other flavors of false prophets that are not quite so easy to pick out of the lineup, not quite so extreme. And I think we want to focus on those, the ones that, yeah, I mean... You kind of agree with a lot of what they're saying, but they get it wrong in one way or another, or they're sort of oversimplifying, providing an answer that doesn't really solve something as complex as climate change. Yeah, I think we want to talk about people that maybe are more in the mainstream, that are more kind of influential and not ridiculed, maybe mm-hmm. quite the way that that the you know the Bundy clan has been, you know, by yep. the mainstream, and and even people who are trying to maintain the status quo. Well, in preparation for this season, I, as you know, my my background was in in systematics, taxonomy. I developed classification systems for plants. Yeah. And, uh, well, and look at you. You've just turned that right into birds. And, you, you know, you, you, well, you're... it is a similar tickle you get, like searching for the novelty of seeking the, the species out in nature. I did that for plants and I switched to birds, but I'm not a I'm not a uh, bird taxonomist, but I am a false prophet taxonomist. Yes, this is a <laughs> sweet. Yes, you're going to yes. be in high demand. Yes, I am. So I have devised a schema of uh, nine false prophet typologies. Now it, it, it's kind of fun, you know, but I actually I actually think it's useful. And the reason it's useful is because when you have terminology for something, it's easier to see it. You know, the example they give of if you live uh, where there's a lot of snow, you have more terms for snow than if you live like in Florida. So if you live among the false prophets, you're going to have at least nine different kinds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think it's important because a lot like, like what, what Cher was getting at, a lot of times you're going to agree with much of what these folks are saying, but there's a there's some key ways you can... You know, if you get if you have this sort of schema, if you understand where they're coming from, their philosophy, it's it's much, and you have a name for it. It's easier to sort of say, "Oh, this is what they're doing." So they seem to come in different different species. Yeah, it's almost right? like uh, the episode we did on cognitive biases and all the different 
flavors of that that you have out there. Like yeah. once you know the types of cognitive bias, you can actually identify them and realize the you know which ones you're susceptible well, to. Well, and it right. makes it easier to ridicule them. And it, let's be honest. Fun. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we're just going to go through, you know, there's nine we're going to go through. And we're going to have examples of at least, you know, nine of these folks in the season and there'll be overlaps a little bit. It's, it's, it's complicated by schema, but, but just to give you an example, uh, we're talking about this Bundy crowd. Right. They they are a classic, classic. What is what is what is now termed um, out there um, a Molotov mixologist. And, <laughs> Molotov mixologist. Yeah, Molotov okay. mixologist, and that is basically you know their their motto is essentially this baby is irredeemable. Let's blow it up. And right. by the by this they, in that case they're talking about the federal government probably right. Yeah, that's yeah. that's you know they're. That's what they're but it could apply to any any big system, basically like yeah. the civilization that we've got now. We're gonna we're gonna throw Molotov cocktails. Yeah, bring out of it, it down. We you know something better will rise out of it. You know, out of the ashes, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, let me give an example. Yeah. Somebody who's near and dear to my yeah, heart. Yeah, you love this guy. Somebody I, I wish I wish <laughs> I could be more like. I'm, I, I'm sorry, I didn't give this name to you earlier yeah. in life. This is a recent find. And, and we're not we're not doing this guy as a false prophet this season. He's just no, an example. No, no. This is of just the, the, this the is type. a what are, what's the uh it, it's an appetizer. Yeah. It's an order. Okay. Yeah, 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 a little cheese on a cracker. <laughs> um a fellow Jew, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Um his name's Alex Epstein. You guys heard of this guy? Oh yeah. I have not. Okay. So he's a classic man shiller, mm-hmm. okay? Which, um, you know, according to to Jason's very elaborate, you know, taxonomy, <laughs> is a high status professional is well paid to gaslight you into believing the shit cakes you see everywhere are actually made out of chocolate. Okay, <laughs> so yep. our our good buddy Alex, right? Uh, yes, he, a good quote from him. Uh, I'm not going to pull out any okay. quotes because I might throw up, and that, <laughs> yeah. that would be problematic. Yeah, get it ruin all the whole the, studio. Well, I'll yeah. get all over the microphone. Yeah. This is my um, home. But Alex, you know, he's he's the founder and president of, I would say, a a, a real doppelganger nonprofit <laughs> think tank to Postcard Institute called the Center for Industrial Progress. Yeah. He's author of several books. You know, he wrote a book called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And his latest book is called Fossil Future, which makes it, you know, case for why we case need to... Case for how we're all going to be fossils pretty no, damn No, no, no. <laughs> we need to expand the use of fossil fuels yeah. in the future. Now, of course, and, and, and Rob, you'll... you'll Really appreciate this. He used to be an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Oh, sweet. Your favorite place. But I always wanted to work at the Nero Institute. Right. Yeah. And he was a former fellow at the Ayn Rand Institute. So, oh, I mean, he's sweet. got all the credentials yeah, you possibly check, need check, check. to go out there. I'm sure he gets no funding from the fossil oh. fuel industry whatsoever. He just happens to be saying things. What, you said his, his place is called the Center for Indoctrinated Turd Buckets. <laughs> <laughs> close, yeah, very close. Well, what's what's interesting about his stuff, though, when you read it, it's it's over the top. But he talks about how important fossil fuels are to our modern way of life in ways that are very akin to what Richard Heinberg might right. say. Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, that's why I said doppelganger yeah. organization. I mean, the, very saying yeah. very s- yeah. similar things, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of some similarities and shared ideas, uh, I've got a typology that that you shared with me, Jason. Called the premature Cassandra later. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I used to have that problem when I was young. Yeah. I, I don't want to go into uh, how you came up with these names, but uh, the Cassandra part I understand, sort of a, uh, a doomsaying. Uh, but anyway, the premature Cassandra later 
is about you're sort of getting the story right, just not at the correct time, not in the right decade. And the example uh, there could be somebody like Paul Ehrlich, who mm-hmm. I think all three of us would say we really respect him as a scholar, and and uh, he's gotten a lot of things right, but prematurely predicted kind of the end of of uh, human well-being and progress. The population and, growth. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah. Well, and he had that bet, famous bet with Julian Simon about the prices of commodities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he bet that price would go up as commodities became more scarce. Julian Simon bet price would go down because we'd just magically figure this stuff out. And Ehrlich would have won if they'd have put the time frame a little more into the future, but he didn't. He yep. prematurely Cassandra laid <laughs> Yes, he did. Yeah, and it's been a problem. I mean, I think he's made our job a lot harder, basically. Well, not, he's not alone. No. I mean, let's go back to Malthus. You yeah. Know? He got it a little bit, uh, a little bit wrong there in terms of, of timing. We've had that with the uh, in the peak world community. I sure. mean, I think all of us are, you know. I mean, Richard had a mea culpa like, hey, I didn't. I didn't see the shale boom happening so fast and and at such scale. Right. Well, and then the the three of us talk about this a lot. It, you know, you can get into a very doomy or pessimistic mindset, but that's what we want to avoid. We're trying to avoid either optimism or despair. What you're looking for is what's the reality out there, and then what's the proper response. And, and being open to new data points or the fact that things might play out in more complex ways than you might imagine. You know, yeah, looking yeah. at the shale example, right? You know, the growth of, of shale, gas, and oil production really had to do with the, the overall economy tanking, and, and suddenly there was a bunch of money pumped into the system with no interest, right? Yeah. Like, that's not part of the energy system, but it right. had a huge impact on the energy yeah. system. Right? Well, I think this typology is pretty cool. Uh, I can't wait to see what the other, what, other six or, or more uh, that might uh, end up. But I know, Jason, you've also dug a little deeper. Yes. And created a, a, another scale with right. this. Right. You know, unlike last season when we covered mostly dead people. Yes. We're, yeah. we're mostly covering people who are still alive. And so in that sense, when, when people are still alive, you can really get a sense of them as humans. You can get a sense of their personalities. And, Especially in this day and age, there's lots right. of video of yeah, people Yeah, tweets and, and YouTubes. You and run stuff into like them that. at Whole Foods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so, you know, some of our false prophets seem like decent chaps, actually, you know, you might not mind having a beer with them. You're saying chaps. Yeah. Just come out straight and say, we're only doing men this, this season. <laughs> it seems right? like that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're so much easier to find, you know, these freaking men who have unfounded confidence. How many female <laughs> cult leaders have there been, actually? That's a great question. That. We'll ask the yeah. chat GTP or whatever, or GPT or whatever it's called. Um, but anyway, others are clear wackadoodles and, uh, you, or, or sociopaths, and you wouldn't want to get you know, near them in a room. And so we, we have what's called the insufferable douchebag coefficient. And so this is a, a, a very clear scoring system, and the three of us will, for each episode, give our score on a scale of one to ten. Or it's completely objective. Yes, uh, yeah. you know, like a Nelson Mandela would be very low, near the bottom, uh, one, 
And Tucker calls. Meaning he's meaning sufferable. He's yeah, he's like, a you very. Would, you would want to hang with him. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and of course Tucker Carlson is going to be at the far like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I would vomit if I got near the guy. Probably. Oh, right. I, I invited him to your birthday party, <laughs> oh, but he didn't. No. He didn't show. Yes. Oh no. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get into that in the first. It, uh, you know, most people don't know that uh, Tucker's middle name is Bundy, just like a shares. <laughs> it's Tucker Bundy well, Carlson. And I guess I should just come out and say. Tucker and I are pretty close. Yeah, we're we're, we're buds. Yeah, um, I don't find him insufferable at all. Well, he's going to score low for you for you then. Yeah. Well, we're, I don't think we're doing him, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. So look, hopefully we'll have fun this season talking about some of these false prophets. But th- there's a reason why we wanted to to explore some of these people, and it wasn't just talking about their influences. Also, an opportunity to kind of dig into certain topics. And what we found actually that that there were some sort of themes around around the folks that we identified. So one of them is the progress myth. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that. People who are sort of pushing that 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 belief system, you know, which we've talked about in previous episodes as, as being deeply entrenched, you know, at least in the modern view of the world. Yeah, and, and always without attribution to the, the lottery of energy resources that we've Of found. course, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got neoliberalism, something else we've, we've also talked about before, but there's a clear you know, thread there. Eco-modernism. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is you don't like freedom. No. <laughs> That's what I'm I don't hearing. like isms. I don't like <laughs> any isms. We got effective altruism. Mm-hmm. And we've got doomerism, which yeah. I think, you know, uh, we were very mindful of of looking at some of the edges, you know, in our own... The Venn diagrams here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, you know, in kind of the circles that we inhabit sometimes, people tend to resort more in, in that direction. And, yeah. and I think it's worth shining a light on, on that as well. And, and I'll also say, we, we all know I'm the least well-read of the three of us. Uh, I, I try not to pay attention to the news, but this effective <laughs> altruism was a totally new topic to me, but I know it just drives you absolutely insane to share. Yeah, well, it's a good thing that one of the leading champions of effective altruism, just his entire company blew up yeah. and he's going to prison. Yeah, so, yeah. that is good. That'll, that'll that, help. That made you yeah. happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the little things. <laughs> a little chef's kiss on that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so I just want to point out that that there's a difference between the really easy targets like the Ammon Bundys and the people that we're covering. So, you know, I, I really appreciate the topics you just laid out to share. I think that's kind of why we settled in on the folks we did. And some of them are not who you would expect, right? They're, they're left-wingers. Some would be considered progressives. Some, you know, and, and they're, uh, yeah, might, might be a little bit surprising. I mean, maybe not to our highly intelligent audience, but... Uh, but but not you know we're not picking these just super. They're easy. not all Alex Epstein's and Ammon Bunnies. Yeah, it's not saying. a Donald Trump or right. you know it's just that would be too easy. Yeah, and we're gonna try to keep the 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 personal attacks to to a minimum. Sometimes that you know I might get a little worked up. Yeah, which is maybe where the insufferable douchebag coefficient comes in. Right. But, you know these these are living beings that are out yeah. there in the world. You know. Yeah. Um, they deserve some. In many cases, well intentioned. They deserve something. Yeah. In in many cases, well intentioned. Well, and, you know, we're going to have to score ourselves on the insufferable (laughs) douchebag coefficient. Actually, maybe our listeners should. Our listeners should. Right. We could have our listeners. I should not have invited them to do that. (laughs) Uh, It only goes to 10. I thought you were an 11. (laughs) 
<laughs> like spinal tap. <laughs> yeah, turn it up to 11. <laughs> um, last thing I'll just say about this season is we are going to keep the uh, do the opposite segment. It's fun to complain and, and point out all these uh, these dangerous trends out there and influences out there. But we, we want to be talking about what, what directions we want to be going in. So we're going to be we're going to be sticking with that and uh, look look forward to hopefully some inspiring examples. It'd be, okay, doing the it'd be cool if there was an actual person, like a demon angel thing, like that was the the literal Who's opposite the of that person. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't <laughs> think that exists, does it? Well, what would it be? What would it be if we stick with Ammon Bundy as an example? What would be the opposite? And I guess you know, opposite of. I guess this is a good way to look at this. Is like there's the opposite person, but also the opposite ideas might right. be more more critical, right? Yes, yeah, so yeah. in that case, like trying to claim federal government land for personal gain. Right? Yeah, what's the opposite of yeah. saying I'm going to take over federal land and make it my own? Well, I recently read a story that's gotten some pretty good press uh, near Los Angeles, uh, Bruce's Beach, that I think is a, maybe a good counter Bundy. Mm. The story is that about a hundred years ago, Willa and Charles Bruce, this couple who happened to be black, they owned some beachfront property near Los Angeles. And this is back in the Jim Crow era. So uh, the the place had come to be known as Bruce's Beach. And these owners, they got harassed a lot by their white neighbors. Mm. And then the KKK got involved. And, and then in, in 1924, the city actually took the property through eminent domain. So they're like, this is ours. And recently... Uh, you know, fast forward many, many years and skip past all the suffering and unfairness that came with that, the uh, Los Angeles County gave the land back to the family, kind of a reparations well, that's going uh, from deal. That's going from like the public back to private? Kind of, but, but then the family has decided, well, this is a become kind of a it's a public area yeah. it's become, a park it had been a park right? yeah and yeah. so they're like we're gonna just sell it right back to la county because mm. we want people to be able to experience this place so it's kind of a cool story of like yeah. getting some reparations to the family but also still keeping it as a as a park space huh. getting along those lines there's the the land back movement which is trying to bring land back into the the hands of indigenous communities and you know they often use land trust to purchase traditional stolen land take it out of the private market put it into collective care um, there are also some really inspiring and innovative black led projects that aim to reclaim land stolen from african americans like you're were, you're were just talking about including something called the acres of ancestry initiative or the black agrarian trust so it's not just about putting in the hands of private owners, but there's there are also really innovative experiments of looking how to do them at using cooperative models, and we'll provide some examples in the show notes. For, yeah, for and folks. so we'll we'll try to give you guys uh, examples of these anti false prophets or true prophets. Uh, uh, let's avoid prophets yeah. in general. I think. <laughs> anyway, yeah. smart people doing cool stuff out there, and maybe <laughs> maybe some ideas how you can get involved throughout the season. And you know, I've I've got a number of tax and all that publications um, uh, out there. Um, you can go find them if you ever care to read any of them. No one has, but uh, a few a few people have. I, and, I read them daily. Yeah. Are, is this going to go into part of your academic uh, right. literature? The, I'm hoping it will. Yeah. You know, there's stuff from Madagascar and South America and New Caledonia and uh, I mean uh, South. I, I got a lot of good taxonomic work, but I think this maybe. 
maybe my finest and um, the, the false prophet taxonomy. I'm yeah. very proud of it. It'll probably get read more than anything else I've done. <laughs> And um, and so we, we're going to publish that this. That means two readers instead of one. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's double, man. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to postcarbon.org slash crazy town, you know, we'll have some link in there and you can look at the false prophet taxonomic work. But also drop us a line. Do you have suggestions of, of characters that would fit any of these top typologies, these species? Uh, let us know. And it could be actually a bit of a cheat code, cheat sheet for you if you're trying to anticipate who we might cover later, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, that might might ring some bells for you. We if could you have see a betting pool or something like that <laughs> set up maybe, yeah. Oh, wow. I, I really can't wait to uh, to cover some of these false prophets. I learn so much every time uh, we do a season that, that uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to go through this with and, you guys. And uh, let me just say really fast, we should thank Alana Zuber, our, our, oh my gosh. our in stellar, incredible volunteer who's been working behind the scenes for months to pull together information about all of these folks. Yeah. You know, talk about vomit-inducing things. She's <laughs> she's got a strong guy. She's I think, I think we we almost broke her brain with some of the people we we <laughs> had her uh, looking into. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she's 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 got some strength. So yeah, she's she's still with us. <laughs> uh, well, one of the things that that got me thinking in this episode is this whole. Ammon Bundy stuff, yeah. you know, we're calling him a false prophet, but I think he's maybe onto something. Okay. Uh, oh. you, you guys know the uh, William L. Finley National Wildlife Well, Refuge? it's about eight miles south, Muddy Creek, which is right out here, goes right to it. Yeah. So I know it pretty darn well. I love that place. Yeah. Well, I mean, there probably aren't that many people working there. You think we could uh, go take it over for the I next bet, month or so? I bet we can do two months there. I bet we get <laughs> two months. Before anyone notices? Yeah, no, well, no, I mean, it's a pretty nice... Yeah, a lot of people go. A lot there. of people go there, but I hope we can hold it for twice as long as the Bundys did. Yeah, screw those guys. And I think we will get so much publicity. This will be perfect. Uh, we'll rename it Crazy Town National Wildlife <laughs> Refuge. <laughs> this is a way to make us go viral. Viral. That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard and you want others to consider these issues, then please share Crazy Town with your friends. Hit that share button in your podcast app or just tell them face to face. Maybe you can start some much needed conversations and do some things together to get us out of Crazy Town. Thanks again for listening and sharing. You know, becoming a cult leader may be one of the best ways to survive the coming apocalypse. Just think about the security of having easily hundreds of totally devoted people, all with their accumulated wealth, knowledge, security, and provisioning skills at your disposal. But getting a cult together is a lot of work, often requiring years of development to hone speeches, fine-tune entrancing facial expressions, perfect coercion tactics, and trial painful binding rituals. Well now, the time to develop your cult can be shortened from years to seconds using the AI cult generator. Answer questions about your political leanings, geography, religious background, gender identity, comfort with firearms, favorite movie and Kool-Aid flavor, and a full-blown, personally customized cult manual will be created. AI cult generator. Finding the evil genius in all of us. Crazy town. Da, 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 crazy town.